Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will continue on with our fixed income conversation as my guest will outline performance expectations for the second half of 2022 and how you should think about positioning your fixed income portfolio accordingly. Uh, joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy Americas with the UBS Chief Investment office. Leslie, good morning. Great to be on with you as always and looking forward to the conversation. Good morning. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Leslie, as you convey in the most recent fixed income strategist publication, fixed income investors likely were happy to turn the page on the first half of the year, which did deliver the worst first half total return performance for most indexes in more than 20 years. So before we get into expectations for the second half, Leslie, can you begin by maybe reviewing the first half performance and what the drivers were? Sure. I mean, obviously, as fixed income investors know, the the first half performance was historically incredibly poor, and there were a number of reasons for that. I mean, as we know, the the Fed had a, had a tremendous amount of catch up to do, given the fact that they were behind the curve in in raising interest rates, and the war in Ukraine and Russia, and some of the shutdowns in China just increased these supply chain bottlenecks, which in turn, you know, went over into inflation. So the Fed obviously had to shift the rhetoric very quickly. And push forward, um, not only not push forward in terms of time, but also the magnitude of the Fed rate hikes. So what this, so obviously as a result, we saw a large rise in interest rates. And, you know, in fact, we went from one and a half to uh, the high of the year, which is 3.5 within the six month period. And then actually there was a recent, uh, New York Fed study done in terms of they, they did this paper on, um, how long do sell-offs last? And this particular sell-off that we've seen, you know, has lasted, you know, it, it actually goes in, into the um, probably the third largest since 1971. So when you think about the magnitude of the sell-off and the extent of the sell-off, it's very large. Now, for fixed income investors, obviously, having um, interest rates rise as quickly as they did um, really put a dampening on also spread. So there's the two components which, um, you know, really drive the total returns, which is going to be a change in interest rates and spreads. Um, you know, both actually went against fixed income investors. And not only did they go against fixed income investors, they went against them in a very high magnitude. Uh, you know, when we think about what we, you know, going forward, and I know, Dan, you and I are going to discuss this later in the conversation. In our opinion, one of those variables, meaning the rise in interest rates, are probably are behind us. And we do think the high in Treasury yields are in for the year, assuming that inflation doesn't really, you know, continuously uh, move up on a month-to-month basis and go up much higher than what we're anticipating. But that's not our expectation. So we do think the second half will be a bit better for fixed income investors. But rising interest rates, widening spreads were the two major headwinds to total return performance. So, Leslie, as you pointed out, the Fed, of course, has been very visible, very influential for that matter with respect to fixed income performance, even broader market performance. Historically speaking, when the Fed commences a tightening cycle, such as what we're currently in, how is total return impacted and can any parallels be drawn to performance trends of times past and what we're seeing in markets today? Yes, and that's a, that's a great question. I mean, what we looked at in the recent fixed income strategist is that we took the average return over the past five hiking cycles for those asset classes that, you know, were in the actual inception during that time. 
And we took the, we looked at the six months before, um, during the, and the midpoint of the cycle, and then six months after. And we looked at those average returns. And what it really showed is that when you reach the midpoint of a hiking cycle, performance has a tendency to turn and has a tendency to turn positive. Now, this intuitively actually makes sense, and we're seeing this in today's market, right? We know, or it is our expectation, that the Fed will raise interest rates in July by 75 basis points. That will put the Fed funds rate at about two and a quarter, okay? And from uh, given our expectation of the terminal rate of the Fed, which would be around three and a quarter, between three and a half, we're past that midpoint. Now, now what happens when you get to past that midpoint is exactly what we're seeing in the market today. It shifts to, is inflation moving too high, to, is growth going to slow? And when you have that shift in sentiment, what happens is, as we're seeing today, is that yields, like treasury yields, start to come down. You have uh, the market pricing in easing from the Fed, as we're seeing today in the second half of 2023, the market expects the Fed will ease, you know, 70 basis points. So as a result, these risk assets have a tendency to perform much better after the midpoint. Partly it's due to the fact that yields are coming down, right? So you have, okay, growth is slowing, yields are coming down. The impact of the Fed hiking is now trickling into the marketplace. Borrowing costs are rising, both for the consumer and for corporates, corporations. So, therefore, yields come down. So, that's one benefit. The second benefit is a little bit more of an unknown. And what I mean by that is that's the spread component. Now, that really will depend on whether or not it's a soft landing or it's a recession. And whether or not the, the two of those two outcomes come into play will really dictate how much spreads will widen or stay steady or potentially tighten. Now, it's our view that we are still expecting a soft landing, so we don't expect a you know large rise in spreads. However, we don't believe that we've seen the peak, particularly in lower credit quality type of sectors. We don't believe we've seen the peak in spreads. So, in other words, the return is better because yields are coming lower, you might have stability in spreads and in some case of in some case widening, but you don't have the type of headwind in total return that you see from, you know, talking of a Fed rate hike, the initial acting of a red Fed rate hike, and up to the midpoint. So the midpoint on fixed income actually has a tendency to do better. So at this point, Leslie, our listeners have a very good sense for how we got to where we are today and why with respect to return performance. Now, as we look forward to the second half of the year, can you expand a bit, Leslie, on your expectations for return? Yeah, let's start on the positive side. And the positive note, as, as I've mentioned, I really, we really do believe that three and a half percent 10 year yield high is going to be the high of the year. Um, we do, we are seeing some, you know, trending lower in inflation expectations. Um, we do think things like, you know, some, some economic fundamentals have been, you know, somewhat weak, like rising jobs claims, but we're also seeing those of strength, like things like retail sales. And we still do have a strong, you know, overall labor market, strong overall consumer. So, we don't think that, you know, we're going to have this huge rise in interest rates going forward because a lot of that rhetoric, a lot of that we're behind the curve, a lot of that catch-up is already priced into the marketplace. Now, on the other side, you know, what won't go away is volatility. And when I say volatility, I'm not just talking about volatility in interest rates, which, by the way, has been 
incredibly heightened this past year. We often talk about things such as the move index and the volatility that fixed income investors are witnessing, which is much greater than what they're witnessing, say, in like the VIX or equity vol. So volatility is going to continue. And even though that we don't believe rates will move up to that 3.5% or go beyond that, investors are going to have to contend with intraday vol. And the way to continue with that is to not constantly turn over your position, right? You, you want to you know, stay invested and look for a longer-term perspective, but know that you're going to have these bouts of volatility in the interest rates, and you're also going to have bouts of volatility where you'll see credits, things like high-yield credit spreads tighten in by you know, 75 basis points in a week and then widen out by 100 basis points you know, two weeks later. And this is the kind of routine that we believe we will see until, until there's a bit more clarity on the Fed's, not only the Fed's objective, but how it actually impacts the consumers and corporations and what happens with the equity market going forward. So, you know, our view is that fixed income in particular will do better in the second half, right? Because we think the headwind of rising interest rates there, your investors are earning tremendous carry and yield that they haven't seen in years. But understand that it, you can't chase these, you know, spread moves, which we believe will stay volatile. And we also believe interest rates, intraday interest rates are going to be volatile. Well, Leslie, thank you for helping our clients, our listeners manage expectations for second half performance. Now, if we turn to asset allocation, I understand that within the latest fixed income strategist, Leslie, you did make an adjustment to the allocation table. So as we begin to close out our conversation today, can you expand on that change and speak to how investors in the asset class should be positioned? and consideration of what might lie ahead in the second half? Sure. Well, we've, 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 we've stuck with our, our, core, our core credit. Credit allocation is going to remain with preferreds. And as any preferred investor knows, the, the first half of the year was very daunting in terms of total return, right? You have the preferreds don't do well in, in, under, not only under a very volatile environment, but they also don't do well when interest rates rise as quickly as they, as they did. So under heightened velocity, if you will. And we also know that we had a lot of fund outflow. So our, and we do believe that the preferreds and on the credit component is where we want to keep our allocation. And as we've seen this past month, they're actually making a very strong comeback. However, when we think about going forward, the reason why we don't necessarily want to go into deep, deep credit, things like high yield, even though high yield, again, widened out by 100 basis points, it came in by 75 very quickly, simply because we're not, we don't have clarity in terms of the runway of the economy, whether or not it will be a soft landing, how long that runway will be, and whether or not, you know, there is a larger head, embedded headwind to the economy, which may invoke a recession, even if it's a shallow one. So what we decide, what we're doing is that because fixed income as a, as a sector, whether you're lower credit or high in quality, all up, all underperformed in the first half. I mean, there was no, the, the whole no place, nowhere to hide theory that definitely was in, in place with the fixed income market, whether you were in deep credit or whether you were in AAA, you did, the returns and the volatility were all negative. So, but we believe that because you're able to earn you know, a very good amount of carry because spreads are wide in those higher quality sectors, such as agency MBS. We've started to allocate to that as a point of protection. So there's three basic allocations that we have, which continues with our barbell theme, which is we take our, we, we take our credit allocation, we take our, our, our long and credit, if you will, in the preferred sector. We have the up in quality that we have in agency MBS, which is like this quasi AAA, with this as a sector. The NCMBS market had done, the first half of the year had done poorly because 
rates rose, the mortgage rate went higher, you know, quantitative tightening was starting, and you were losing one of the biggest buyers of mortgages, which, i.e., the Fed. All of this became priced into the marketplace with an agency MBS, and spreads widened above and beyond normally what they would under the same under these interest rate conditions. So that's a sector that we take um, for our higher quality. And we also, for the investment-grade corporate side, we're going to keep for now in the short end of the IG curve, and simply because you don't, you don't have a lot of spread duration. It's a great cash alt. You're earning over 4% yield. And because of that carry, it really gives you a lot of protection um, to really maintain capital preservation. So that's what, so that's kind of has been our main, you know, core in terms of allocation. I'm not saying there won't, now remember, we're not underweight high yield, we're neutral, we're not underweight senior loans, we're neutral, but we're just not putting a really large emphasis on those below credit, even though they're, they've had this pockets of vulnerability, simply because we believe those pockets of vulnerability are not done yet, and we, we will actually be able to enter as a spread that's been wider than even what we saw in, in June. So, again, it's, it's more of a barbell strategy. Leslie, a very productive conversation today. Thank you for dropping by top of the morning, spending some time with our listeners, clients, sharing your current thinking on fixed income, expectations for return in the second half, and the guidance you offered on how clients should navigate these volatile times. It sounds like volatility will be with us for the foreseeable future. Very helpful. So thank you again, Leslie. Looking forward to having you back on with us again soon. Thanks very much, Dan. I appreciate it. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.